name is Bill, and uh, we're, we're excited that you're here. Uh, we are in the third, third week of a series that we started, uh, a letter to the book of Romans. Uh, what we're talking about is good news. That's the title of this series, and we, we picked that title. We picked these messages specifically knowing where we would probably be in 2021. COVID continues to grow, challenges all of us. Uh, approaching 400,000 deaths in our country. Ridgecrest now, as most people know, uh, have been getting uh, more cases as we go forward. The elections, political chaos, conspiracy theories, we could have just a whole day and everyone give their, their, their favorite conspiracy theory as to what's going on. Uh, this is part of what we're there. Uh, the inauguration is coming. Uh, we know that's going to take place. Uh, we have uh, troops uh, in place in every capital of our every state uh, to help protect us. Whatever happened? Stop. You can, there's no, this is unprecedented. This is unheard of inside the United States. Uh, but how do we look at it? How do we see what's taking place in the world, in our country, and in our lives? We started the first week of this series saying that all of us have a filter, that was the name of the message, that filters how we process information and events, current events and, and past events and things in our lives. And the verse that's been the foundation of this series is an appeal that the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, says, you know, brothers, by the mercies of God to present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. That because we know who God is, because we know he's God, he loves us, he cares about us, we make a free will decision to turn our lives over to him, to become a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable to God, which is, our spirit, which is our spiritual worship. Now, here's the main thrust that we talk about every week, and we'll be pushing this envelope today. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let this world define our thinking. Uh, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And we talked about the word transform is metamorphosis. It's, a, it's an ongoing process of assimilating, gathering new information, assimilating it, and changing the way we think, and changing the way we see the world. So be transformed, metamorphosis, uh, by the renewal of our mind. That by, by testing, we can discern what is the will of God. So what's the will of God for us? Everyone's like, what's the will of God for us? What, what does he want me to do? Well, what this verse tells us is God's will for us is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. That doesn't mean we're going to understand it. We, we don't understand what's going on so often in our, in our world, our country, and even sometimes in our own families, and even in our own lives. But we know there's a God moving behind all of it that for followers of Christ who have made themselves that living sacrifice and who are renewing their mind, that it's good, acceptable, and perfect. So as we uh, evaluate the events of 2021, we know what's there. The Christian worldview, the will of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God rules over all. And his will for each person is good, acceptable, and, and perfect. That's one way of looking at the world. Other way of looking at the world is what we call a secular or, or non-Christian or non-spiritual worldview. Interprets life solely on the principles that are taken from the natural material world. In other words, all the chaos around us is just chaos 
There's no pattern. There's no, there's, we don't know where it's going. Uh, the, the hope is that, that some way the events, the accidents, the circumstances will pull us out of all this. Two worldviews that we have in front of us. One, God's in control, and the other, we're on our own. What does that result in? We're, we're talking about God's will. And uh, a picture I have on my computer, computer screen, I always like to point that out, is this little picture on the left uh, of the hand of God coming down and walking it. Well, that's me. I was a little younger than when that picture was taken. But, uh, but this concept of walking with God into 2021, the reality that God's going to walk with us, that, that he's going to guide and lead us in each of the events. And, and the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter says, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. I'm not ashamed. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. To the Jew, to the Gentile, to absolutely each and every person, every race, every economic status, uh, every age, everywhere, God is reaching out and saving them. It's good news. And that's where we get the title of the series. It's good news. And this God taking care of us and making us right, it's accomplished from, from start to finish. By faith. It's by believing um, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. Christian worldview. God is in charge. We can grab his hand in 2021, anytime, place, anything that takes place, and he can guide and lead us uh, in a direction that is, that is good for us and, and good for those around us. This is good news for a country that needs good news. So today we're, we're going to take the next step. This was last week. For those of you that were here, we established this. But the letter doesn't stop there. This letter, uh, hopefully, uh, has been read. The good news, most people here, hopefully, Christians, have accepted that good news, have become that living sacrifice. But then we have the ability to reject the truth of God. And so let's, let's pick that verse up again and look at the one that we're going to be talking to this week. Not ashamed of the gospel. Got it. Okay. Uh, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. Stop. Now, quick, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress by their unrighteousness the truth. Whoa. Wrath? God's wrath? God's a God of love. What's, what's wrath? And, and uh, probably can't pronounce it correctly, uh, but I looked it up in the, in the Greek thing. When you can look at the word, it's it's. it's O-R-G-E. I, I think I pronounced it wrong. But definition in the Greek is anger, wrath, indignation, anger exhibited in punishment. So if we read that for the uh, anger, wrath, indignation uh, exhibited in punishment of God is exhibited to the world, is revealed from heaven. Webster Dictionary, wrath, retribution, punishment, and offense, crime, even divine chastisement. Excuse me. We were talking about good news. What will happen? You know, I would, when, my, when my kids knew that they were going to fall under my wrath, it was not good news to them uh, when that was going to take place. Uh, so make no mistake, that is what the word means. Uh, this Greek word, by the way, later uh, in the Middle Ages became a word that we're familiar with. If, if, you're, if you've got culture in your background, the word is ogre, which immediately calls to mind Shrek who was an ogre. I mean, this is the class act we're talking about. 
during that time. He was an ogre. He was one, and actually they described an ogre was someone who would go out and eat people. Well, we found out that that wasn't exactly the case with Shrek, for those of you who had that educational experience. But make no mistake, this verse means what it says. God does have wrath. If he reveals his truth, if he sends his son to die for our sins, if he makes himself evident through all sorts of avenues to us, and we reject it, we're choosing his wrath. We're choosing to turn away from the good news that he's given us. The truth, and main point today, uh, and always, God's wrath against ungodliness is holy, pure, and done in love. The absolute biblical truth is that the sins of ungodliness offend a holy God. Sin has consequences. Sin is a mark or a blemish against God's nature that's perpetrated by those who are created in his image. Sin damages men and women who are his creation that he loves totally. God's wrath is active. It's moving. It is not passive. It is, it is something that is automatic against sin. It's against these marks that hurt other people. God's wrath against the powers of evil, sin, and Satan, and the spiritual powers of darkness in the heavenly places will, in the end, prevail. In this battle, God will be the winner. In the future, Satan will be bound and defeated. Christ will rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years. God's wrath against sin is good news for us. He will do everything within his power, including, uh, including his wrath to win the battle in my heart against sin. And he will do the same thing in your heart to win the battle against sin because he will pour out his energy and his power to push the sin back in our lives. And this is huge because God is preparing us not, for today and tomorrow, absolutely, but for eternity. So we can spend it in an eternal heaven with a holy God in a holy heaven because Jesus Christ has removed our sin and we've chosen to yield our lives to that. Don't be shocked by the statement that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It can be no other way for a holy God. He cannot do anything else. And, and the obvious power and the, the, the importance of, of his wrath against sin was seen on the cross. Jesus Christ bore my sins. He bore yours. And because sin is an offense to a holy God, God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ as he paid for my sins and yours. This is not a minor issue. This is the central issue of the Christian life, is that Christ himself healed us by his wounds, that we might die to sin, oh yeah, and live to righteousness. God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ dies for us. This is, this is God's wrath against sin, paying for my sin and your sin. We can't see it any other way. God watched his one and only son die for our sins. And this is Jesus absorbed the wrath of God in his body 
for what we did, our sins. God's wrath against sin, it destroys in our lives. If we let sin rule and reign without bending our knee and our heart to Christ, sin destroys our relationship with God. Sin destroys our joy, our peace, our patience, everything that's good in our soul. If we let sin come in, this corrosive power will destroy us. Sin destroys our relationships with those we love and other people in our lives. Sin is destroying our nation. It's not a political battle for Pete's sake. What is Pete, by the way? Let's never mind. Uh, it is not a political battle. This is a spiritual battle between good and evil. And I'm not putting Democrats and Republicans. There is evil on both sides of that camp. And wrath against, should be out against those. But we're talking about the spiritual powers that possess people. And so God's wrath is being revealed against that, against all sin. Now, just as parents who we love our children, we will have wrath against the sin that damages and corrupts our children. The sin of sexual abuse against our children is an affront that we, sh we should have wrath against. Wrath against the corrosive power of pornography, which has addicted 40% of the young men inside of our country today. There should be wrath against the rapist, the drunk driver, the drug dealer that kills and damages our kids. Wrath against sin is an act of love for the victims of sin and the removal of sin. God loves, God shows wrath because he's correcting and disciplining us. When, when we fail in our unrighteousness and, and you know, suppress the truth of God, God will discipline us. Because he loves us. Uh, we're clearly told, my son, don't, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproves you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son. And he goes on to say, why? Why was he disciplining us? He wants us to listen to this honor so that we can share in his holiness. He allows the moment of discipline. It seems painful. If, if my, uh, one of my kids, not to mention any names, uh, would, would blow up a curfew, we would restrict them. Well, that would hurt them. If they blew it up again, we'd double it. We continued to increase pain until it had the desired effect on them. It worked great. They grew up, they, they have great jobs, and they send us money. Don't I wish. Uh, they, hopefully they don't listen to that. Uh, but pain, if discipline is not painful enough to bring about a change, God will continue to increase it. We're seeing that in our country. Don't, don't mistake that. That's what we're seeing. And, but what his goal is, is it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Many people in our country have the mistaken idea that the primary, God's primary goal is to make us happy. False teachers come up and, and do that. I uh, was going to the news today, and I was pointed toward a podcast. Crazy happy podcast. Really? That's what we look for? No, we look for joy. We look for truth. Uh, God, like any parent, loves his kids enough to correct them. Sadly, uh, for the last 50 years in our country, most parents have not uh, you know, disciplined their children choosing to be friends with their kids rather than their parents. So in doing, we've ruined generations. 
you know, uh, yes, real dis discipline hurts. Uh, it, it has to, because we have to, whatever it takes for us to give up our sin that destroys us and those around us, God will continue to do that. But look at the result of it. Look at the result. For the moment, discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. You know, all the parents who lied to their kids, this is going to hurt me more than you. Uh, it has to hurt, but look what happens. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields as we yield ourselves to God's loving correction, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained. But wrath is against those who suppress the truth of Jesus Christ uh, in unrighteousness. We're going to spend the rest of the time talking about God revealing himself to us and how we can accept that revelation or we can reject it. This whole passage that we're looking at is long, and, and we're going to kind of tear it apart. But again, the wrath of God revealed from heaven against who? The unrighteousness of men who in their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What truth? What truth are we suppressing? What, what truth do we, we push away from ourselves? Uh, well, it's pretty plain. For what can be known about God, the truth about God is plain to him because God has shown it to us. He's shown us who he is and what he is. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived forever since the creation, the creation of the world, in things that, that have been made. We see it in what's been created, the power and the nature of God. So we're without excuse. Even though we knew God, if we don't honor him as God or give thanks, we'll become futile in our thinking and our foolish heart will be darkened. For decades, uh, we have turned from God. We have rejected his ways. We've kicked him out of our schools. We've removed him from our government. We've done so many of those things at, to turn away his truth inside of our lives. We do not honor him. God, the Christian worldview is God's invisible attributes, his, his power and his divine nature. They're clearly seen in creation. We see them. Secular worldview looks at all creation and interprets them solely on the principles taken from natural material world. Therefore, there's no honor for God. No thanks to God. So they have become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. We, we look at that thing and, and which worldview do we have? It's a huge deal. You know, here's the foundational division between Christian worldview and a secular worldview. God is the creator or it's an accident. We get to choose. God, the Bible, and the evidence revealed to us proclaims God to us. We should understand that. The, I, I love it as it goes on. One of my uh, favorite Psalms is Psalms 19. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The, the organization, the dazzling beauty that, that we see in the creation above us. Uh, my wife and I often will go out at night when it's warmer and uh, watch the stars, the meteor showers, those kind of things. And it's kind of dark out where we live. And so they're beautiful. They just sparkle. It's just the majesty, the size, the, the millions of uh, 
universes that are out there in our cosmos are just amazing. And the more we study, the more we look at the size and, and everything of it, it's amazing. But again, the heavens declare. That, that means that uh, it goes on to say day to day they pour out speech. Night to night they reveal knowledge. You know, there's no speech, but God's talking. God's talking. There's something bigger than us going on. And as human beings, we need to be reminded about that. We're not the center of power. We're not the center of everything that's going on. There's a force beyond that creates us. There is no speech. There are no voices. But he's heard. It goes throughout the whole earth. And we look at the creation that's there, and well, we should. Look at it and be amazed. You know, we, we, we love Ridgecrest. We came here when we... Uh, we're just going to be here for three years and pass through and made a decision a couple years in to give up one career and start another one. It was an amazing, uh, it's an amazing town. You know, people say it's desert. Matter of fact, to, to discourage people uh, from coming to Ridgecrest, there's actually a video if you ever want to watch it. It's on YouTube. It says, you know, LAX to Ridgecrest. And they put, someone put a camera, a video camera on their front windshield and you see desert. Oh, and then you see more desert. And then you get a little further in, and you see desert around Red Rock, and then you see desert. It's all desert. It's very grim. Uh, they actually pull in and get a cup of coffee at one place, and you see the store. That's the high point of the trip from LAX to Ridgecrest. We love the desert. We love looking around, seeing the mountains. As a pilot, I used to be one. I, to see 100 miles, that's amazing. Anyway, excuse me. I could do this. You know, uh, the heavens declare his glory. They proclaim his handiwork. They speak to us if we will listen. You know, another area of creation that is so obvious to anyone that's ever held a baby, this, this little creature that is, you look at it and, and it, it gurgles and everything. You think it's all about you, but it's not. They got gas. But they smile at you. They do all this. They, they amazingly fill their pants. They take food in. They put food out. It's, it's an amazing process. They move their hands. I always take a baby's hands and put it on mine and look at it. And I go like this and watch their hands. It is amazing. Babies are fearfully and wonderfully made. This, the inward parts are put together when, when, as we understand God's creator, inside the womb, at the moment of conception, God creates uh, each individual different and unique. Over 7 billion people, all different. But inside of that DNA are all people. Make no mistake, there's, there's, there's one human genome, and inside of it are all races, all colors. Everything is, you know, hair color, height, you know, intellect, all that, the mix. And God mixes them together. And plans perfectly for that individual. This is a miracle of God that takes place in every baby. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made in the image of God. Now, I'm going to take a moment. Because it's always worth pointing out. When we deny the truth of these verses. When we deny that God creates life at the moment of conception. DNA defines who he creates you know, we get careless. We don't think it's God's life. We don't see it as a creation. 
as a result of rejecting God and his truth and our unrighteousness. In our country, over 60 million babies have died. 1.5 billion babies in the world have died by abortion. These, these individuals that God loves and created, we choose to exterminate. This is, this is a sin. New York State and other states have allowed abortion up to the last moment and even after death or even after a botched abortion where the baby's alive, you're not allowed to adopt that baby. It has to die on a table. Uh, these, this is incredibly painful to the God that loves. You know, we can wonder why the blood of the innocent crying out to God and we look at the things that are happening around us. I'm just talking one example of denying God as the absolute creator of all things in front of us. This is a battle for truth. And if we suppress the truth of God as creator, God as sovereign ruler, then, it, then Katie barred the door. You know, we really have options when we look at cosmology is a long word. It's a branch of astronomy that involves the origin, evolution of the universe from beginning to today. Uh, two options. Worldview is that God has created all that exists and he controls everything that happens. That's one view. The other one is the worldview is there is no God. And everything that is taking place, that's a result of human decisions, natural forces, as we evolve to the next level. Clearly. Two worldviews. What's surprising, if we're not careful, people will tend to say one is a religious statement and the other is a scientific statement. No, it's not true. They're both religious statements. As Christians, it's a religious statement built on the Bible and our knowledge of God, which is a religious statement that God created everything. But when a scientist comes and says, no, no, it's all, there is no God. There is no God. And by his presupposition, he takes obvious evidence for a creator and puts it aside. A geneticist, a quote that I, uh, a teacher of, of genetics and had students, and they would be investigating through powerful microscopes, DNA, and he would have to remind them, when you look, you're going to see what looks like design, organization. But disregard that. Disregard that. That organization has come over, you know, millennial uh, times of, of, of ex experiments and mutation. There's not organization. That's, that's not scientific. That's religion. When you at the beginning say there is no God, that's a religious statement. And then build a theory on top of that. It's not science, that's for sure. It's religion. So what is this battle of truth that we, that we look at inside of our thing? It's, it's, it's around all of us. Uh, the case for a secular worldview, you can look on Google, you can look on all the TV programs, you can look at all of them there. The, 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 the worldview of that, and I, I went to the sources of all wisdom, Google, and, and typed in uh, what is a secular worldview, what's cosmology, all existing matter, all existing physical matter and energy are a result of a big bang, big bang theory, and it's the leading explanation of how the universe began. Leading explanation. At its simplest, it says the universe, as we know it, started as a small 
singular item, whatever, uh, and then inflated next over 13.8 billion years into the cosmos that you and I know and live in today. There was nothing, and then there was something. This goes in the face of against all, all science at this time. They feel that life itself, uh, uh, all of these things, these biological populations over successive generations, it starts from the goo to the bug to the zoo to you. It's a matter of slowly evolving a little bit at a time, a tweak at a time. They have no concept of what they're talking about because they don't look at the evidence that it takes DNA to do that. DNA is organized and, and transmittable only through the species. It doesn't go to other species. You know, when I was young, and there was a time when I was young, and yes, I went to school because they had schools when I was young. Uh, I graduated from high school in 1961. At that time, I had been exposed to and given and taught the evolutionary theory. I'd been taught it all the way through my school experience uh, from the mid-40s. I am one old dude. Uh, and so uh, once I got my horse tied up outside, I would go in and, uh, but they would show me that, well, the fossil records prove evolution. Uh, the development of the human embryo. They had a picture, like Heigl's uh, development inside of, inside of a, a womb of a baby that grew, that it went from a little sack of something to a fish, to a bird, to a, to a, a lizard, to, and then a human baby uh, just before it's born. It was, it's there. They said the geological column proves it. And then the similarity of design between animals, you know, a, a, a a gorilla walks with his hands like this, and I'm a gorilla, and I walk with my hands like this. Uh, so look at the similarity of design in them. You know, these are all proofs. Uh, I was an evolutionist. You know, a couple of years ago, three years ago, I read the biology book from Burroughs High School. And I looked, there's, they got the same proofs. They're still in there. Now there's, now, truth. There's an embarrassing lack of clear transitional fossils. In other words, if, if you have a cat and it, it, it evolves into a much higher species of life, a dog, <laughs> you know where this is going, but uh, I will avoid the emails for cat, from cat lovers. But the, the, the bottom line of this is that as they look at fossils, they find fossils of cats, they find castles of, you know, uh, uh, fossils of dogs, but they have no dats. And this is absolutely true throughout the whole spectrum. Uh, Darwin said, boy, they're going to find these fossils and it will validate. There are no transitional fossils. It's still in the textbooks with millions and upon millions of fossils that have been found. Haeckel's embryos, which describe the images, still in textbooks, still on the web, still used as a proof. Uh, this, this, the, the proof went out back uh, in 1868 is where this proof started. He was taken to court and he had to admit that he created these out of his mind to support evolution. 
and yet it was given to me in school and it's still being given. the geological column uh, does not have fossils in the right sequence, and they can't find really a consistent geological column that they're talking about. As a matter of fact, I could go on. They find trees poking through multiple layers saying, no, this is more flood than any other way of formation. Oh, a flood, where would they get that idea? Uh, uh, all of these things, similarity of designs, if it works, we'll use it. DNA shows the complexity of billions of bits of information. Looking at the evidence, you know, uh, I can't be an evolutionist. I was for a while because right after I became a Christian, I was an evolutionist. So I said, I'm a Christian evolutionist. God could use evolution. He could. But his word denies it over and over and over again. And evidence denies it. So I had to put that aside. You know, the, uh, if I, I typed this, I put an example in here. I typed this on a computer. This my message today. It's beautiful. You can see it's spelled correctly, thanks to spell check. And uh, it's got red marks all over it, but I typed it on a computer. Now, if I was to tell you that, that I found this computer in my backyard, I was digging one day, and this computer was in there, and uh, I looked at it, and uh, I pulled it out, and, and, and it, it actually worked. It, it, accidentally, all the right materials showed up in my backyard. I put the right fertilizer on it. A bolt of lightning must have hit it just right. The billion bits of the billion transistors lined up just right in that little, little beautiful, and it had Dell written on it. Not Apple. It's a godly computer. Just, I got the cat people, now I got the Apple people. If I told you that story, you would laugh at me. But this hand is so much more complex than any computer ever created. And yet we're told that this and everything that's attached to it is a random accident. It's foolishness of the highest order. It's denying the truth that is in front of us. That our world is is a, a closed system. There is no God. You know, in this, in this billions of bits of information in the DNA, which is just so proves God's creation. You know, this is evolution has been taught for so long in our schools. Not, and, and again, there's, there's still a pushback. People don't really buy into it so much, like 40% of the people believe in it. But it doesn't make any difference. It's there. And, and why, why would they have that? Well, the gospel, the good news, is veiled. The good news of a creator is veiled uh, to those who are perishing. Uh, the case of the God of this world has you know, sent his lies out to unbelievers, keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of Christ, and this gospel is good, acceptable, and perfect. I, I just picked three quotes. I have, a, I have actually a paper on my computer that I found in my backyard when I dug, uh, that, are, are, that are comments, hundreds of comments from evolutionists talking about why they believed evolution. Uh, evolution is, un, uh, let's just start with the first one, evolution is unproved and unprovable. We believe in evolution because the only alternative is special creation. That's unthinkable, but he's right. There's only two choices, either God did or an accident did. 
We get to choose. Evolution is a theory universally accepted, not because it can be proven logically, coherent uh, with evidence to be true, but because the only alternative, again, is special creation. That's clearly incredible. I wonder if he dug his computer up in his backyard. The last one. I suppose, and this is a very famous, this is, this is Julian Huxley, the president of the United Nations Education, Science, and Cultural Organization. This is a big, important person. I suppose the reason that we leap at the origin of species was because of the idea of God interfered with our sexual morals. In other words, if you get rid of God, you can do what you want. And that's the choice most people make. They would rather believe a lie than the truth so they can do what they want inside of their lives. That's the case for evolution. The case for a creator, there's no way we can touch the data that's here. But the good news is that, as we talked about before, where God asks for faith, and remember, Christianity is from faith to faith. We believe by faith. It is faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, re the first time we went over this, we used the actual words that are there. Now, faith is the assurance. Assurance is the strong support and the firm foundation underneath of the things we hope for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. For, for by it, we know that people receive their commendation. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. But what does he do? He gives anyone who will seek and look, he gives us a strong foundation and evidence that God created the world. You know, where, where he asks for faith, he gives evidence. There are videos, there are books who are much more qualified to do this. I've read many of them. I recommend the, a, a very simple one is, is A Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. An atheist that went looking for proof, and he records his life and his journey from evolutionist to creationist. Very brilliant man, lays out a lot of clear evidence in a video. It's, it's, uh, it's online. You can get it. The next one that I suggest is Evolution's Achilles Heel. Fifteen PhDs give their testimony and give their evidence from science why evolution can't work, why natural selection, origins of life, geology, genetics, and all of, all of these things point toward a creator. The evidence is on our side. They are on... Uh, oh, Amazon Prime, uh, in Crossroads Library, if you want to check them out. I've got them. We'd be glad to let you uh, use them, read them, look at them. I've got the books, uh, both the book for the creator, and I've read both of them, and, and also the videos. Please. Also, I encourage everyone to pick up uh, one of the evidence books that comes from a group called Search for the Truth. These are, these are three books that we have, and there's actually one more of the books, and then there's a uh, the Rocks Cry Out, a foundation of archaeology for the Bible. Uh, but each of these inspired evidence, have you considered and look at the evidence? These, every day they give a reading about some proof that there's a creator and they use, you know, they get a picture of a duck-billed platypus. How many people have seen a duck-billed platypus? That is the ugliest face I've ever seen come creeping out of a book at me. Uh, 
but they look and they explain how this, could, you know, where these things come from each day. Uh, there's some stuff. I read two of them every day. I'm reading, have you considered and look at another look at the evidence? I read it every day. So I get two little shots of evidence that support the existence of a creator. You know, uh, and one of them I was reading a couple of days ago uh, about um, uh, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are this big thing everyone wants to know about. Uh, wh when did Dino pass away? Uh, the age of dinosaurs is supposed to be, by an evolutionist, 65 million years ago. That's in the evolutionist timeline. A lady named Mary Schweitzer uh, was analyzing the fossilized bones of a T-Rex dinosaur. Now, isn't that exciting for, never mind. Uh, but in it, she looks at this, what, 65 million year old uh, fossil, and she finds the, the blood vessel, she finds the tendons, she still finds them flexible, she still finds them as if it was just a short period of time ago. They said th th those, all the evidence that she said, that this thing had to be alive less than 8,000 years ago. And so, but that can't be, and so the whole world went bonkers around her discovery, and uh, a couple of websites, you can look up her evidence and the argument back and forth and how, how it, they try and push back on it from the evolutionist point of view, and there's no way they can do it. You know, the, the proof comes down clearly on the side of evolution being wrong, being a false fairy tale, and creation being right. I challenge you to look at that because it's foundational to life. Do we have a creator or are we an accident? Do we have a future and a hope or is it just randomness? And I also believe in evolution because that's what the Bible says and I believe the Bible. It proves itself historically accurate. Uh, it describes accurate history. It describes Jesus's Christ and his life here on earth with eyewitness accounts, accurate prophecy continuously being fulfilled over thousands of years and even being fulfilled in our time, accurate description of human nature. All of these things are in the Bible. Either we believe it as God's word or we don't. We either believe it or we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Our choice. What's, what's, what's the summary? Well, pick your worldview. What filter, when you read tonight's news, or listen to it on, online or in the news, what's your filter? What's your worldview? Do you see, do you see God at work? Are we, is our mind being transformed, metamorphosis, that we can look and see what the will of God is? Do we see God's hand moving in this world and in our nation? We certainly should. As a nation, we need to wake up. Because God is moving. Look for the evidence that's there. The challenge is really clear. Look, look at the evidence that's there. Look at the facts. Have faith in facts that are clear and provable in front of us. Follow them that's there. Because God gives us clear evidence. And his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Look at them. Celebrate them. Rejoice in them. Understand that it's the consequence to rejecting God. His wrath is against sin. He loves us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to follow us. He does that. 
but his wrath can be revealed too. One last verse. As we close, and we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to come back in and look at our nation. The title of the message next week is Exposed. Because in the United States, in my lifetime and actually beyond, slowly but surely the truth has been removed from public view. This verse tells us that the gospel, which we just studied, is good and acceptable and perfect, is veiled. It's covered. It's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, keeps them from seeing the light of the gospel. Next week, we'll kind of pull back the covers and look at those doctrines, beliefs, and teachings that are corrupting our nation. Uh, join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God. Whoa, it's your God. And you love us. You reveal your will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect in Jesus Christ. Lord, let us open our hearts and our minds to the truth that is broadcast through your creation, showing your divine nature and your eternal power. Let us open our ears to hear and to see the glory of God, which is declared to us that we might fall and worship you. Thank you for all the evidence, the proof. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So close again, prayer corner for those who would like to have prayer. Thank everyone for being here. Join us for Exposed uh, next week.